it's something to carp about. I'm Dennis Mitchell, and no, the show doesn't mean we're going to bitch and moan about things. It's about Carpinteria, and this is a new offshoot of our radio station, Carpinteria Valley Radio, and it's going to be kind of a podcast, kind of a regular ongoing conversation with people about the top issues in Carpinteria. And as we've said previously, cannabis is one of those issues, and we always like to go to the very best people and the most knowledgeable people we can get to talk about these issues. And my guest this week, I'm very happy to say, is Alex Robles, the host of the In My Grow podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show. In My Grow rocks, by the way. Oh, thank you for the invite, Dennis. I'm really glad to be here, man. Yeah, so much to talk about. Uh, so much has happened. Um, let's start with the supply chain nonsense that we keep hearing, okay? Some of which is legitimate. I moved here six years ago, just as legalization was uh, arriving in California. Seems to be taking a very long time to get it all in a place, uh, in, uh, all in place in such a way that works for everybody. You know, there was a vision of how we pictured it was going to be when pot was legal. It's a lot different than that, isn't it? Well, yeah, see, when... You know, when we were talking about legalizing adult use, everybody was talking about, at least everybody campaigning for it, was talking about, oh, the streets are going to be paved with gold. Oh, there's going to be so much money um, coming in from legal pot. And the realities are that's not really what happened. And most of that is because, well, there's a lot of reasons. But one of those is the fact that... When we decided to actually accept the laws that they were offering, we didn't really pay attention to the fine detail, which meant that a lot of municipalities, a lot of cities, every city, every municipality had the right to opt out of having cannabis industry in any kind of form in their community. And two-thirds of the towns in California decided not to have it, mm -hmm. which means that two things happened. One, that created deserts, legal cannabis deserts in a huge part of California, which means that while it's legal for every citizen to have cannabis, to grow cannabis, um, there's no way for them to legally get it, you know, so they have to go to the black market. Without driving 100 miles. Without driving 100 miles yeah. to their nearest legal cannabis dispensary, you know, so that's one thing. So if, if all communities aren't going to participate in an industry, then those forecasts of all this money that's supposed to be the legal cannabis market um, really didn't come to, to bear. Yeah. You know, I think you've hit on the on the main uh, difference of what we envisioned and what came to pass. We envisioned going down to the store and buying some pot and yeah. that this is how it would be across the land. It's really not that way. You've got to be in the right place. You have to be in the right place. And then you have to realize that um, the really crazy thing is, is that 73% of all cannabis purchased in the state of California is purchased on the black market. Mm -hmm. Still 73%. 73%. Wow. Which means that um, we have to talk about what the customer actually wants. You know, if 73% whether that's in a legal market or in a market or in a town that doesn't have cannabis legalized. 73% even in a legalized city still go to the black market. So a lot of it has to be about price point. Right. You know, price point is still a big issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, while we all want to support a legal market, legal cannabis is expensive. Legal cannabis is expensive for a lot of different reasons. You know, a lot of it is because it is overtaxed and at every level of the supply chain, whether that's from the grower to the excise tax when you and I walk out of a store with a purchase. 
You know, it's one thing if legal cannabis was maybe 10% more than the black market, you know, then we would think about, well, you know, I'd rather spend that 10% to get to make sure my cannabis in any kind of form tested safe for me. But when you're talking about the difference between legal cannabis on the shelf in a pot shop and cannabis on the black market is 43%. That's a huge thing people think about. And people are no longer looking at brands, looking to support things that they like. If the black market or the legacy market has the same products without the high price. Uh huh. Well, isn't it a matter of, uh, it would appear to me to be a matter of the industry, the brick and mortar store industry of cannabis sales, just not doing an adequate job of realizing what the black market uh, involves, realizing that that is their main competition. I mean, what I'm getting at is if they have not done a good enough job of competing, frankly. Well, look, here's the thing we have to realize. The black market isn't the biggest thing holding back legal cannabis. What's holding back legal cannabis is regulation. Mm -hmm. The fact that not there aren't there isn't enough shelf space for all those products around the state. Mm -hmm. You know, in towns where there is no legal cannabis, the black market is there. If we can change that, there's more availability to this legal market to the people in those towns. Mm -hmm. Cannabis is taxed at the farming level. You know, the farmer pays for every pound that they produce. Tomato producers don't get taxed in that manner. Mm -hmm. Farmers don't get taxed in that manner. Cannabis is taxed at every level. And that is a trickle-down economics that goes on to the consumer. Yeah. You know, now, that that has to be talked about. We have to realize that because the state can't sit there and take in all of this cannabis tax dollar and not see the industry as an equal partner, just as they see partners that we deal with that sell and produce alcohol. Yeah. You know, you don't see a big black market in vodka. I don't see it. At least big <laughs> enough to where any it would actually affect anything. Yeah. But you're making a parallel with prohibition, and that's kind of where we are right now. It, it, it is. And, and But it's also, I mean, if you're going to take that kind of tax money from an industry, you need to embrace them as a full partner and see where they're at and where their needs are and how you're going to actually deal with those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other major flaw in, in regulation to me uh, as a layman uh, appears to be that the state also holds the keys as to how much cannabis can be grown in any particular area. And that doesn't seem at all in sync with what has happened with legalization. There's too much pot being grown, frankly, that uh, has nowhere to go. Because like you said, if 73% if, uh, of people are still going to the black market, if X percent of communities are opting out, uh, it's as though the pot that's being grown was planned to be everywhere, but everywhere isn't available. Yeah, that's an issue too. Um, that's an issue... In the fact that legal cannabis, it seems to be overproduced right now. Mm -hmm. And I say legal cannabis because, again, um, illegal cannabis, 73% of all of that weed out in the black market is grown illegally. Or it's funneled from the legal market, which is a whole other issue that California is having. You know, the state's about to be sued or is being sued by the industry because of just they've, they've been looking away at the way some illegal operators have been 
brought into the industry, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, so yeah, I mean, legal cannabis has, has a long way to go. I mean, we can say it's, we can call it legal. It's really quasi legal. Quasi yeah. accepted. Well, you can go to a store and buy pot. You know, you can't, if yeah. you're lucky enough, but Yeah. if, if you're you, lucky enough, if you're I in mean, the right place. you can't here in your town, uh, even though that's true in your town, it butts up on the county line that has more legal cannabis licenses than Humboldt County. Right, right. Well, let's get into that, okay? Uh, this is something to carp about. It's a show about Carpinteria. Carpinteria, one of the top three growing areas in the whole state right now. You're in Ojai, okay? So here we have the contrast. I'm right on the border of Santa Barbara and Ventura counties. Uh, those counties are handling it in a much different way. I'm shocked that there are no dispensaries in Ventura proper. You have them there in Ojai. So it gets to be, uh, I don't know, Are we? is it statewide, this shifting the, the responsibility and what needs to be done to the county and putting places in outlying county areas as opposed to in the actual county seat in a municipality? Yeah, you know, I, I have no idea what it is. That that's a That's a good question. I mean, the county's really just about what is another revenue stream? Right. And all politics are local, man. Yeah. Once you get, I mean, Carpinteria is a beautiful town and it's a beach community, but it's still a small town community that really, for a long time, it was family and retirement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then five, six years ago, the cannabis industry comes in and is bigger than what the residents expected it to be. You know, not to say they didn't have a voice because there were always county council meetings where you could have shown up. Yeah. But again, the small community of Carpinteria wasn't, they were taken by surprise of how big it was going to be. Right. You know. Uh, and, and there is talk, uh, again, with the county city issue of providing Carpinteria with the dispensary in the Santa Claus Lane area, which is over the county line. So technically, oh, is that right? yeah. So technically, you have Carpenterians would be able to use that, but that isn't really officially a part of Carpenteria. It's in the county. I think that's a mistake, man. Because look, Carpenteria is really letting a lot of that money go elsewhere. You know, everything you want to see in your community be dealt with—roads, after-school programs, whatever it is. I'm not saying you should heavily tax cannabis for it, but it can help. Well, the growers are being taxed, the way I understand it. And, and thank goodness for uh, the growers in Carpinteria being so proactive. Are they being taxed for the city of Carp? I think so. I couldn't swear to that. It's probably more county. And I, I hate to come off uh, ill-informed on that. I really don't know. But it would appear to be a no-brainer of the money it would bring in. Uh, and, and a lot of it gets down to you know old, old notions about what cannabis brings uh, when it shows up in a community, uh, notions you'd think we would have gotten past by now. You would think, but you know what? I mean, we have to understand, I mean, the propaganda is 80 years deep. You know, we're talking about two generations that were raised on marijuana is bad for a community. Marijuana will lead to the downfall of you and your family. That's two generations. That's a lot. I, I, I can understand and you know, yeah, I can get frustrated about, oh, my God, it should be taking longer. We're living in the future, 2022, and we still have these small-minded ideas in charge of the greater community. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But 
where we need to start at is really educating or at least asking those people or at least talking about those ideas saying, okay, what is the problem you have with cannabis? All science aside, because everything prohibition is going to throw at you really isn't true. Whether that is it's going to lead to more teenage use of cannabis, not true. It's going to bring down your property values, not true. It's going to increase traffic injury, not true. Okay, so then you ask people why, you know, especially people who like to drink alcohol or at least enjoy alcohol to celebrate with because it's not like they're a stranger to the feeling of euphoria, you know. So then you ask them, so what is the problem with alcohol? Why don't you like it? And they'll start to say things like, oh, well, you know, cannabis, or what, what's the problem with cannabis, I should say, you know, why, why don't you? And they'll tell you, you know, it makes people stupid and this and that and all the things that, of course, you can parallel to alcohol. Yeah. But really what it comes down to is that deep psychology of propaganda of doesn't matter. This is what I believe. This is bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's all it's been drummed only, into. Not them, only yeah. is it bad, but the people who use it are bad. There you go. The people who use it. And that's a thing also that we as cannabis enthusiasts, cannabis lovers and cannabis patients, but also people who use cannabis to celebrate with, we have to embrace it in the fact of because I know we do it a lot to self-censor. I use cannabis because I like it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's okay. I don't have to have a medical condition to celebrate with cannabis, to party with cannabis, and to like it. Yeah. That was the whole issue for so long. You know. You know. Oh, medicinal. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, in 96, everybody had a medical problem. Yeah. We all had a medical problem <laughs> to get a medical card. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> You know, I'll tell you something. When I got my first medical card, I moved here from Texas because of legal weed. Um, Because I came really close and was really lucky I was growing weed in Texas. Bad idea. Yeah. Unless you're really well connected. But anyways, so moved here, California, 98. Medical weed was, you know, it was going. People were getting their cards. Dispensaries were still getting their doors kicked in. But, you know, the the industry was growing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, went to go to a doctor to get my medical card. Of course, and I suffer from migraines. That isn't something I made up. I do suffer from migraines. So I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to put down on the application. This is what I needed for migraines. Beautiful. I go in. The doctor, old man, must have been one of the first doctors ever given a license in California. <laughs> He's in a wheelchair. Frail old man. His glasses are going in one direction across his face. <laughs> He's asking me to, like, take my own blood pressure, and it's just this really crazy setup. A right? rigmarole. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, going through the motions. Hey, yeah. the guy's so old, he's asking me to do my own. Hey, well, how tall are you? How right. high? You know, get right. on the scale, you know. And I'm just like, wow, it's okay. So this is what legal weed is going to look like then, right? At least medical. So, again, uh, yeah, back in 98, 96, we all had a medical issue in order to get legal weed. It, mm-hmm. it, we've come a long way, and we have to embrace the fact that, you know what, it's okay to love weed just because you like weed and that's it that is our task for the time being uh this is something to carp about i'm dennis mitchell my guest is alex robles and we'll be right back there's a part of our world that we pay little attention to here an ant drags a seed five times its own size and a bee sips from a drop of dew and down here toxic chemicals and carcinogens are leaching into our environment They come from objects that we look past every day. Littered cigarette butts, 
Let's stop the toxic litter. Learn more at RethinkButts.org. Brought to you by Legacy and Leave No Trace. Were you born from 1945 to 1965? People born during these years are five times more likely to have hepatitis C. So even if you try to eat right, exercise, and take care of yourself, you could still have hepatitis C, a serious disease that's a leading cause of liver cancer. If you were born from 1945 to 65, you should get a blood test for hepatitis C. Treatments can cure this disease. Talk to your doctor about getting tested. A message from the CDC. Something to carp about. We are back. I'm Dennis Mitchell. He's Alex Robles, host of In My Grow, the podcast which we can hear where. You can look for it. Wow, you got me by surprise. All right. In My Grow Show comes out every Sunday, and you can hear it on any of the major podcast catchers, okay. whether that's um, Stitcher, Podbean, Am- a- Amazon stuff like that. Music, yeah, anywhere, All right. All really. Right. Um, also, you can hear it at uh, greencoastradio.com. That is a radio station that we put out. All right. Um, when can you hear it? Mon- no, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. And what was that one again, the radio station? Green Coast Radio. Green Coast Radio. You can hear it at greencoastradio.com. You've done some great things with the music over there, too. I can uh, highly I, recommend it. It's fun. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. It's, yeah. uh, it's been quite a thing putting it together. Great stuff. I have to yeah. share a quick story with you. A, a part of the big stigma with cannabis and the 80 years of propaganda that you were referring to just a short time ago uh, involves law enforcement. And that it has long been a tool for law enforcement uh, to enforce the law. Uh, like you said, it comes down to the people who use it. And sometimes those people have been persecuted by the laws uh, with, with law enforcement more than happy to use that as a tool. Uh, and, and one of the more controversial angles and aspects of that was the D.A.R.E. program, which you know basically put a police officer in the position of being a public health officer uh, by going into schools and preaching about cannabis and other drugs to students when they're not doctors um so there you know there's there's that conflict uh, and i was quite surprised i was uh, at a store in ventura recently and there was a little booth up there for dare i i basically i thought the program had been discredited and uh taken out of a lot of school i know it has been taken out of a lot of school districts because of what we're talking about here the conflict um the obvious um uh, the obvious fact that it's prone to disinformation. Uh, but anyway, there they were with their table, a couple of young cadets, nice people. And, and I walked up to their sign, the big red letters that say D-A-R-E. And I pointed to them and I said, dispensaries are real expensive. And they cracked up laughing. And I said, have a nice day, boys. <laughs> well, I didn't realize, yeah, that the D.A.R.E. program was still out there. I haven't been in school in a long that, time. Like I said, I was surprised. I really was. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that was just a part. That was a huge part of the 80s of, you know, when I was growing up. The D.A.R.E. program and just, yeah, like you were saying, that idea of, Going into schools and telling kids it's okay to report your parents for smoking pot. Now, yeah, law enforcement and cannabis. Okay, let's go just the recent stuff. So cannabis is probably one of, is the most, let's put it in quotes, abused drug in the world. Okay, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Okay, now, which makes it a very easy target for law enforcement because most more people use cannabis at any time, at any period in time, than any other drug. 
whether that's cocaine, heroin, whatever the fancy drug of choices of the decade that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Cannabis has always been the most used or most abused, however you want to look at it, drug. So again, it's easy to pick people up because there's a lot of us out there. And if you make it illegal, you make a whole bunch of criminals out of otherwise real law-abiding citizens. Right. So... Yeah, you cast a wide net, you go into schools, you get kids young and tell them, hey, look, all drugs are bad. Cannabis is a schedule one because we say so, because we're making up science, because the real science doesn't really, you know, you, if you follow it, it's not, it's not comparatively, right. does less damage. Right. Again, cannabis isn't a panacea. It's not going to, you know, heal all wounds and, and, and answer all questions for the community, but it does less harm than any other legal or illegal drug going from, you know, nicotine to alcohol to prescription painkillers. If there were genuine health concerns, wouldn't tens of thousands, if not millions of hippies have died by now? You would have thought. I mean, you know, the square community would have hoped, right? You know, that's why they keep recycling this thing of laced cannabis with something or other. The big thing of the day is, what is laced cannabis with fentanyl that's killing people? That's the scary headline. So, I mean, you know, again, but yeah, getting back to the D.A.R.E. program and, and law enforcement. So, you know, law enforcement classically has been against any kind of movement to normalize or legalize or take the conversation outside of hey it's bad for you because we say so right you know they don't want a rational conversation about it they just want a black and white it's bad and um that's it not and to then to the greater extent you know drug addiction or drug use in any form should be seen as illegal hmm. you know so which is impractical uh, you know, because basically there are millions of drugs that are really good for us and they're there for a reason. Well, and it's also just really interesting. I mean, why, why cannabis all of a sudden, in the, you know, 80 years ago, why, you know, I understand. Okay. I mean, I get it. Why, you know, yeah. and, and Slinger, the government needed a new demon since alcohol had just been legalized. Yeah. We, yeah. Look at the timing. You we know. move on from that prohibition yeah, to like, another we're, one. We're looking around like, what are we, how, yeah. how are we going to keep this office going? So, yeah. but I think we've drifted. Yeah. Um, D.A.R.E. program. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, back in the eighties, again, in the classroom, cops would come in and say, you know what? It's okay. If you turn your parents in for smoking yeah. cannabis, you're doing the right thing. It was the just say no decade. You know, you Nancy know, Reagan, buddy. Really You was. know, Nancy Reagan in her little red dress saying, yeah. you know what, it's okay. Your, your family will be okay when we arrest your parents. Yeah. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. You touched on something very important. Um, as with any mind-altering substance, uh, there's use and there's abuse. What can you give us in the way of advice uh, for cannabis users to make a better distinction of use and abuse? It's one of the, I think, I heard you say it once on one of your podcasts, the vast majority of people use overdose. Yeah, I mean, well, abuse, now, now we're getting into drug addiction. Okay, you know, fair so, enough. I mean, and especially when we talk, start talking about abuse, um, because first of all, cannabis is a very low impact, I should say. 
luckily it's easy to to measure at least a titrate to be like okay one puff is good three puffs is too many okay you know well now you're getting we're getting so much information with the cannabis we buy yeah one would tend to think that would make it easier Ooh. well see here's the thing we get a lot of information i mean we get a lot of information on the label um, but most of us don't know how to read it, how to understand it, or really understand how cannabis affects us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on what we're using cannabis for. If you're using it because you have a condition, whether that's inflammation, appetite loss, sleep, I would recommend a low THC product. If you're into flour, a 12, a 14% flour. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You just need the body to absorb those cannabinoids that it needs to help you deal with whatever you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I'm going to go recreational, I'm going to go party here, I want to get high. Well, then, you know, you get the highest THC product that you like, whether that's flour, dab, oil, vape cartridge. You know, but they're... Um, Again, there lies what you want to do with it. Yeah. And again, a lot of that information, unless you look it up, isn't really out there in most dispensaries. Most dispensaries, there are some dispensaries that have really great educated people behind the counter that will ask you, what are you looking for to do with this? Yeah. You know. Yeah. No. It's, what, it, what kind of, what are, you, what are you trying to do? You know, and then they'll break it down for you. And I just want to tell everybody, if you're using it, if you've never used it before, you're coming back to it um, uh, slow and low. You know, again, one, two hits if you're into flour and then wait 15, 20 minutes and you'll see just exactly how it's going to feel. It's the uniqueness of the drug. You know, with aspirin, uh, with any pain reliever, you take the pill, the pain goes away. Mm -hmm. With this, you actually, you have to do some research because it can do so much outside of that, outside of relieve pain. It can do other things for you. Yeah, it it can. And um, yeah, again, you just have to understand cannabis is different, man. It's different than what it was even 25 years ago, or at least our understanding of it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because I know people who shouldn't smoke or be on any kind of cannabis or at least high THC products. And that's something we have to distinguish too also is that we hear a lot of the conversation about OCBD and THC and the entourage effect, and they all go together. Okay, they do. And it works beautiful. It's a great orchestra when it all comes together. But if you're looking for something for health medical reasons, you don't need a high THC product. Right. You don't, in my opinion, please understand, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I'm not even a plumber. This is just what I've learned. Disclaimer, yeah, I have to, um, you know, you don't need a high THC, unless, hope you know, unless you have a really bad, let's say, inflammation or pain, you're into pain management. Yeah, yeah. But if it's, you're trying to sleep, um, and you're not, you know, cannabis isn't your typical way you get to sleep, you don't need a high THC product. True. Now, uh, another thing that goes outside of what we might have envisioned has been the emergence of CBDs and how enormously popular they've been 
Uh, and here you have uh, a means for some people who might be skittish about using cannabis who are more than happy to use a little CBD oil uh, for joint pain or whatever, the anxiety to sleep or anything, and they don't feel like they're, quote-unquote, using cannabis. Uh, so CBDs have been huge in uh, this transition. I, it, you know what? CBD has been a really big factor in the acceptance of cannabis as a plant, as a therapy in general especially in the last 25 years, because it has allowed a lot of people access to cannabis, to the cannabis plant, whether that's in the hemp form or in the actual drug form of cannabis, access to it and not have to fear the intoxication of THC, a, a, a THC product. Mm -hmm. Because CBD, while it, it has, again, and we don't know this, right? We don't know how much THC we need with CBD to get that entourage effect, to get that full. So we don't need a high THC with our CBD. Yeah. You know, and again, CBD, it's it's been a, we really need to understand that it was a huge step in widening the conversation about cannabis. Yeah. You and know. it's it's it seems to me it's bridging some gaps. Uh, you can advertise CBD, but you can't advertise cannabis on a federally licensed radio station. Um, the the doors just seem to crack open a little bit for CBD, which could be a stepping stone to greater acceptance of cannabis that you're referring to. Well, it and that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That it it allows, as you said, allows the door to be cracked open. People will listen to it and say, well, what is that? How is that different than, you know, cannabis? How is that different than, than marijuana? You know, and they realize, well, it's really not that different. Not to say that, you know, that people, <laughs> that CBD is going to be a gateway to THC at all. I'm just saying it's all just related and the conversation is widened and people, we get away from the old way of thinking, the old lines that we've been fed. Yeah. You know, that all of the cannabis plant in all form is wrong. Yeah. Which isn't true. We have to remember that hops and the cannabis plant are very closely related. Right, right. I think we're still in the learning phase. I think it could take a long time, and we're, we're watching it happen uh, in slow motion. It can be a little agonizing at times. But when I stop and look at 10 years ago, we've really come a long way. I can go to the store and buy cannabis products legally. Um, and, uh, and it seems to be more and more a part of, of the American marketplace, um, as opposed to being this, you know, stigmatized, uh, very illegal, uh, thing you want to lay low and avoid the cops about. And again, I think CBD has really, like you said, helped bridge that gap because you do see national chains, pharmaceutical chains, the Walgreens, the CVSs carrying CBD products in states that still have cannabis prohibited. Yeah. Well, you know. the, the, the big linchpin is, is Schedule 1, the federal level. I mean, we're still, we're still at that. And oh, yeah. I think that we can lay that at the feet of Mr. Biden. He's long been uh, against cannabis legalization. Uh, whenever he brings it up now, he talks about decriminalization, which is something we haven't heard in 20 years, um, which was a fallacy. So uh, as far as uh, hope on the federal level, I don't have a lot uh, for the for the short term anyway. Well, well, yeah, first of all, 
we have to remember, you know, Biden and Harris, they're law enforcement veterans. Exactly. You know, and then here's my thoughts about decriminalization. It, it may sound good. It may sound like a good first step. And it is. But it it shouldn't let a community, a community shouldn't legal in decriminalization too long. Yeah. And the reason that I see is this, is that decriminalization still doesn't allow a legal market to come into play. You still don't have access to legal, clean products. It just means you can't get busted for cannabis. Right. You know, but it doesn't mean that you get a legal product. It doesn't mean that you get a wider conversation. Hopefully you do. Yeah. But you all, I mean, and that's great. Law enforcement is, is a huge issue in cannabis. It's great when a community says, okay, we're no longer going to incarcerate or put people into the legal system over a plant. But don't let your community linger there too long because those gains are very limited in, right. in, in decriminalization. It's more symbolic than anything else. No, I mean, it, it goes a long way. Again, you're not incarcerating people anymore. You're not getting them into the legal system anymore. You're giving them a chance not to be burdened with a federal possibly charge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's a good first step, but I don't think it's a good idea of five years for your community to be, de, you know, decriminalized still because you still don't get the benefit of both clean products and an industry. Yeah. So again, communities have to think about it is a revenue stream. Again, I'm not saying you have to tax it to oblivion, but accept the fact that it can drive at the very least commerce in the sense that people will come into a community, very nice people, regular people, law-abiding, tax-paying people will come into your community, buy their cannabis on their way out, maybe stop in, have some dinner, and then go home. Right. My guest is Alex Robles. This is something to carp about. Alex is the host of In My Grow, and we're going to talk about growing when we come back. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question, and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. In 1977, an eight-year-old boy picked up the game of golf from his father. The odds of that same boy winning the U.S. Open twice, one in 1.2 billion. The odds of him having a child diagnosed with autism, one in 88. Ernie Els encourages you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back. This is Something to Carp About, one of our first editions and one of my first guests. Uh, the guy who knows more about cannabis than anybody I know. It's Alex Robles. He is the host of In My Grow, uh, which is uh, a leading cannabis podcast where you will get tons of good information. And let's get right to the heart of In My Grow. The one part of California law that seems universal, correct me if I'm wrong, 
is that every adult is allowed to grow up to six plants no matter where you are. Even in the communities that don't want to have it, you're still allowed to grow your six plants. Is that correct? You're still allowed to grow your six plants, but you do have to check with your where you live because some cities don't allow you to grow them outside. Right. So you may have to figure out either some kind of a grow hut, a grow tent, yeah. a dedicated room, a closet. And this is another deterrent, isn't it? I mean, it's like if you want to grow this in our community, you're going to have to go out and spend thousands of dollars on lights and a, and a, a little hoop hut or whatever it is you're going to grow your, your weed in instead of just putting seeds in the ground, for God's sake. Well, and that's why I say that uh, we have to be <laughs> – we, we use the term legal cannabis real loosely here because that's not the picture of legality, is it? Because I don't have to grow my tomatoes indoors. Right. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's not really legal. That's just we're allowing you something, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because, yeah, that's really what it is. And again, yeah, it we can take it to the conspiratorial mind and say, yeah, is it a control thing? Do they just not, what is it that they're trying to avoid in their community? You know, is it, again, is it an odor issue? Do they not want... You know, neighbors complaining, turning in their neighbors, saying, hey, I smell pot growing, you know, yeah. that that lays at the feet of, of all city council meetings. But, yeah, you have to check with your municipality. Okay. And there again, there are always limitations as, as far as even if your county allows you to grow outdoors, the state says if you live within a thousand feet of a school, you can't grow, you know. So, right. Right. Well, the odor is another issue. And the next time we have you in, we'll get into that, especially here in Carpinteria. That is a major issue. Uh, and like I said, I, I would like to do a more in-depth conversation with you on that. So we'll do that next time. Um, but for those who do want to grow their own, it depends a lot on where you live, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, as far as growing it outdoors, but anywhere in California, you know, Again, if you can get a you know, space in your garage or a dedicated closet, being able to put it under lock and key, um, yeah, grow your own cannabis, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's a lot of fun. And more and more dispensaries are catching on. You can buy uh, sprouts and cuttings. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good thing, you know, um, that's awesome to see, especially in it for me personally, because I, I, I do encourage everyone to grow their own cannabis at, at, if they can at home, um, because I do. There are players in the industry who will campaign for a legal cannabis industry in a state or a municipality or a city, but still at the same time campaign for not having the right to grow at home. Mm hmm. And that's just greed. I mean, that's just, to me, that's a lot of famine thinking, you know, that there isn't enough for everybody. Because just because someone has the right to grow their own cannabis or tomatoes, that doesn't mean they do or they will. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? I was actually encouraged, though, by the California law, including that. It seemed to be, uh, you could see the tidal wave of little communities that were going to have none of it. Well, this seemed like a loophole or a way around that. Yeah, but again... You know, depending on where you're at, you're going to have to keep it indoors. Right. Um, be careful. Always. You got to always be careful. Yeah. You know, but uh, but luckily, again, it's since it's becoming more accepted, you know, or at least more common, let's say. Yeah. 
at least here in California, which is a really good thing about a, a developed market. A more, you know, you, you, we can have conversations wider than are you allowed to do it? Mm -hmm. You know, you can have the conversation of how are you allowed to do it? Where are you allowed to do it? You know? Okay. That's another thing I'd like to go more in depth with you next time we have you in. Uh, how to grow good cannabis because you seem to know how to do that. I've gotten all kinds of good advice from you. Others have. Your podcast is filled with awesome information, literally, about how to grow good weed. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, it's, it's ups and downs, man. Um, we, all ha we still have our failures. But, um, yeah, I've learned a certain way to grow cannabis outdoors, a way that works for me anyways. I've, I've tried a few different ways. Hydroponics, for me, uh, it was a disaster. Yeah. Um, the only time I ever tried oh. it, me too. Yeah. Man, yeah, that one season, all those girls hated me. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot, but many were sacrificed. <laughs> yes. Bodies that's, everywhere. That's when I realized, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm going to stick with soil. <laughs> but learned a lot, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, you know? Um, I, I, I've, I've, it's been a while. I've, I've been learning how to, I've been learning and perfecting my technique of where I grew up in Ojai for a while. So it's, it's a lot easier for me now. Okay. You know. All right. Well, I want to get into some of that stuff. Like I said, we're going to have you in again. I'd like to make this Beautiful. a regular thing. Uh, I've been looking forward to this right. and, and really appreciate you uh, uh, sharing your knowledge and spending some time with us. Alex Robles, it's the In My Grow podcast. Get it anywhere you can get podcasts and greencoastradio.com. Greencoastradio.com. We broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a mix of different kinds of music mm -hmm. and cannabis content. Yes, indeed. You know? So, yeah, I, I just want to thank you for allowing me to talk to uh, your audience, man. This is a lot of fun. I've been waiting a long time for this, Dennis. We'll have you back so, for sure. But before we go, hey, I got uh, let's interview Dennis Mitchell for a bit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, that wasn't part of the plan. Tune in next time as Alex interviews me, Dennis Mitchell. This is something to carp about. Mm -hmm.